news. It is Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show. You are listening to Faith FM this morning, and we're about to get into the 400-point question for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. For 400 points, at the time of the census, which was conducted by Moses in the first couple of chapters of the book of Numbers, in the first chapter of Numbers, sorry, which of the 12 tribes of Israel was the largest? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer for 400 points. You can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that question was, at the time of the census, which was conducted by Moses, Moses, in the first chapter of the book of Numbers, uh, which of the 12 tribes of Israel was the largest? What was the biggest tribe? All right, if you know the answer, then give us a call. 0491064669 is the number to call. We've got some interesting text messages that have come through. Uh, we love to hear what you as listeners have to say about the show. And uh, Freco's texted this one through the way technology is going. No country is out of range of missiles. Okay, so this is a really important observation uh, and, and something that I think not everybody understands stands entirely. Mm -hmm. So there is no country in our world that is out of range of missiles. Mm -hmm. That's that's not the important point. The important point is that we have missile defence systems. Russia Mm -hmm. has them, America has them, you know, most major developed countries have them. We have access to them through the United States, etc. And when you've got a missile that is flying at Mach 7, to be able to hit a bullet with a bullet, because basically, you know, it's a it it becomes a bullet. So a missile becomes a bullet and you've got to shoot that thing down with another bullet. Mm You have to have time to be able to detect that the missile has been launched, find which direction it's tracking, aim at it, and shoot it down before it impacts. Mm -hmm. And uh, if those missiles are heading towards Russia from Germany, they have the time to be able to do that. Of course, if they're coming from Ukraine, they don't. Mm -hmm. Hence Putin invading Ukraine because uh, Biden, Zelensky, etc., threatening to... um, put Ukraine into NATO, one of the reasons mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, America would do the same thing if, uh, if you know, China put missiles in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, this related to what we're talking about, you know, with the Chinese influence in Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands right now. Now, there's a, th- those, those, that conflict is way more complex than just that little simplification mm-hmm. right there. But it's definitely one of the factors that is... Um, seen particularly from the Russian side as a justification for their uh, invasion as being a preemptive strike. Um, and so, yes, Australia is well within range of you know lots of missiles from lots of countries around the world, but they are currently a long way away. But if China had bases in Papua New Guinea and in uh, the Solomon Islands, then no missile defence system that we could put together would be able to um, defend us against those. We would lose our defence and we would be basically sitting here with a gun to our head. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a, a, an interesting um, observation being made right there. Let's uh, have a look at some of these other text messages. Uh, here we go. The Green Living Benefits as a Church. We have uh, been teaching this for over 150 years. Yes. So here at Faith FM, uh, our nation, our station is owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, mm-hmm. which has had a major emphasis on country living for 150 years. Pity we hadn't actually taken more notice of what we ourselves preach, uh, but that has been a part of you know our message for 150 years. He goes on to say, he says, of course, God has been telling this for more than 6,000 years. <laughs> Yes. And so, uh, you know, just really highlighting the benefits of country 
living. What do we say? The first house was garden. Yes. Absolutely it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this one is interesting. Um, and I and I looked up some info on this one. It seems that for the first time that microplastics have now been found in the human blood system by scientists yesterday. It was in the news yesterday. Really? Yes, yeah, so I did a bit of research on that one real quick and they uh, tested 22 uh, people who anonymously donated blood. 80% of them had microplastics in their blood. And what they're trying to understand now is what happens you know, when this goes through the filtration system, through the kidneys and so forth, and those microplastics lodge in our system. Of course, there's lots of other places. They can lodge in the brain. They can lodge in the heart, etc. What does that Man, do as that far as cancers go? And, yeah, that's, uh, and, and because you know, when you're just eating your vegetables, you're eating microplastics that have been drawn up through the ground into those vegetables. So it's, it's that is scary. This is really scary stuff. Our world is so incredibly polluted and wrecked. Mm. Uh, we need Jesus to come back soon, and thankfully he will be. Um, all right, President Biden warns of food shortages worldwide because of the Russian-Ukrainian war. Someone's commenting on that, which is which is very true. Um, uh, you, the Ukraine has been the breadbasket of Europe. Throughout history, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most fertile parts of the world. Uh, China, Papua New Guinea agreement and Solomon Islands, actually the Solomon Island agreement, but they're pushing for one in Papua New Guinea. Um, for the sake of money and short-sighted benefits, the governments sold their people. While they might look at the benefits soon, they will be under total loss of their human rights and freedoms. But I must agree with you that what we have really as Australians to offer them. Mm. A governor is now morally, morally corrupt. How sad. Mm. You know, and this is the thing because China will come across there with all kinds of promises. China has more money, more protection. More of everything. More, yep. More of everything. And these days, yeah, well, mm. anyway. Uh, pink Himalayan salt has up to 84 different trace minerals in it. I don't know that. Uh, you'll have to look that up for yourself. Uh, this is from a text message. It contains up to 98% sodium chloride. Sea salt has as many as 75 minerals in it and trace elements. Oh, there you go. Uh, I would suspect that is absolutely true, but uh, Google is there for you to do your searching. Um, I personally drink a quarter teaspoon in water every morning. It's also good for the digestive system. And we've had a number of uh, health experts who have come on in recent times to talk about the benefits of uh, Himalayan, the pink Himalayan salt mm. um, in your diet and uh, in your water. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I think that um, those, that sounds like a really good idea to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm not a health expert, but oh. I like it when these experts do come on and share their knowledge. Speaking of health and, yes. and the Ukraine, yes. um, this, you know, well, there is no aspect of the Ukrainian invasion which is good, but no, but none whatsoever at all. But that and it actually affects one one particular area. So Indonesia gets a fourth of its wheat from the Ukraine, right? And Indonesia is the biggest producer of two-minute noodles, right? So there'll be less two-minute noodles in the world, which make the world a healthier place. Yeah, that's right. But also a less tasty place because <laughs> we all love MSG and we all... <laughs> okay, but it is the Ukraine a producer of MSG? Maybe MSG will stay and two-minute noodles will go. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like without without two-minute noodles, you know, we don't get our fix of MSG here in Australia. 
We need to get into our Bible study. We Here's do. the thing. We are supposed to finish the book of Hebrews it, last by the week. Of, by the end of March. <laughs> oh, by the end of March. Well, kind of last week, but we extended it to the end of March because we were behind. Yes. Because Hebrews is good. And we've done, what, four verses of your favorite chapter? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's jump into Producer Hebrews. Shell is looking at us like, just move on. <laughs> let's, let's, okay. So while I was still here, uh-huh. you did a big read uh-huh. from chapter 12. And I had to stop you halfway through us. So you just read the whole chapter. Well, no, I read up to like verse 11 out of 28. That's right. <laughs> let's pick up in verse 12. Let's have a bit of a read. Let's go down to verse, ooh, let me see here, 21. Okay. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive grace from God, which out, which out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral of, or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright, uh, his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain to take a place, uh, to take place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, uh, as the Israelites dim- did at si- Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Okay. Paul really goes hard here. He doesn't hold back and he says, look, you haven't been through any of this. You need to... You need to strengthen up a bit. Mm -hmm. You need the power of God's grace to come into you uh, to face. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. To be able to face God. Mm -hmm. All right, so a whole bunch of uh, thoughts we've got coming through here. We've got, Mm -hmm. you know, the mention of Esau and Mm -hmm. the birthright. We've got the mention of the mountain. It sort of brings us down to the Mm -hmm. mountain where, you know, Moses, the Bible said, the Bible says here, uh, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That's Mm -hmm. in the King James Version. Very Mm -hmm. descriptive right there. Um, what, what's what's Paul's main thrust as he as he works his way down through these verses right here? Well, I think he's ultimately responding to the idea that he shared in the first thirteen verses, which is essentially like, you guys are in need to lay off every sin and weight, uh, and and that purity comes through as he gets into uh, following verse one, two, and three. He makes this point that like, oh, this purity will come as a result of chastening from the Lord. Um, you know, that will purify you. And as, as the book of James says, you know, um, essentially like count it all joy when you suffer through various trials, you know, that it make, that produces patience and makes the man of God complete. Like this is what they need. 
uh, as a people. They should welcome that, which they haven't for a long time. You know, they've been under Roman rule. Uh, they've been kind of, uh, but, uh, you know, you might think then, oh, they're under Roman rule. That doesn't seem like a great situation. Well, essentially, like, uh, for those Jews under Roman rule, they're under protection and they're living relatively comfortably in their uh, various forms of worship and they're, you know, anyone that challenges them, namely Jesus, uh, was persecuted and it's like hey no you need to uh you need to expect at this point persecution uh and chastening from god because that's the only thing that's going to purify you so that you can have a relationship with him i, I believe i believe that's what's taking place here absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and then of course it goes on and says you know this is this is where you've come. This is where you've come to. So you know Moses was at the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob and Esau they had their trials. You know, etc. 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 You need to lay off your weights. You need to, you know, strengthen yourself mm-hmm. in the power of God, because while you know they had these particular trials uh, and these things that you know chastised them. The Bible talks about chastisement mm-hmm. as you come down through those verses. Uh, that, you know, corrected their characters and made them better people and all this kind of thing. Okay, this is where you've come to. So where have we come to? Um, verse uh, 22 and 23 and 24. Yes, it says, No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembling of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Yeah, that's pretty full-on passage right there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of interpretation in your translation, but uh, good interpretation. Um, you know, for instance, in verse 24, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and mm. to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Mm. Um, this is this is this is where Paul has been constantly drawing this contrast mm-hmm. between experience of the people of the past mm. and experience of the people under the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And he talks about you know the experience of Moses and how terrifying it was for Moses to come to, you know, Mount Sinai and mm-hmm. the giving of the law mm-hmm. and to meet with God face to face. And then he's like, "But we've come to God Himself, mm. to His throne, to His church." Um, somebody here on the text message says, "Would you say that God is trying to teach a healthy respect for Him to His people?" And then. Do we have that kind of respect? Mm. It, I think, it, yeah, it's a it's a healthy respect of sin and a healthy no, sorry of God yes. and a healthy fear of sin. Yes, like like or an understanding of sin and a detesting and, of sin. That's right. Like we we are in deep need to understand how evil and malignant and hurtful sin is. And why it just cannot exist. And I feel like the biggest motivating factor to stand up to sin is the fact that, like, Jesus died to save us from sin. It's like, wow, if God was willing to go so far, then I'm pretty sure this is really, really bad and we shouldn't be doing it. Um, But furthermore, like, oh, it will also actively destroy my life and hurt the other, other people around me. 
Yes. And that's what we don't want. <laughs> Absolutely. We do not want that at all. Um, and, and you know, you, you, you look at, at, at this right here and, well, you look at our church today and you look at Christianity today and there seems to be, there seems to be an attitude where God has become one of the fellows. Okay. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, Moses had a very healthy respect for God because Moses saw God face to face. Mm. Dude, Moses and God were like close. Like, yeah, it's hard to find people in the Bible closer than Moses and God. You know, where God's like, okay, I'll pass over the mountain and, you know, you won't be able to see me, be able to feel my presence because. And see my back. And, you know, see my back. Like, they, they were like tight. Yes. And yet. Like Moses himself. They were friends. The Bible talks about them being friends mm. and Abraham being friends with God. Mm. But you were going to go say? Oh, just essentially, like, what, what What did that friendship look like? And it just looked like ultimate and utmost respect towards God. And I think vice versa, like, to be honest, like, God isn't out here treating Moses and Abraham terribly like god loves them like god is perfectly loving and caring of of abraham and moses but at the same time like moses and abraham's response is is that sense of like they they humble themselves before god they realize their place in in this relationship and it's like wow god has come from heaven and bowed himself down you know come to my level like humbled himself that much like I ought to humble myself, you know, to speak to God. I fear that in modern Christianity, what we have done is exactly what the pagans have done in the past. The pagans in the past created gods in their own image. Mm. And I fear mm. in modern Christianity, there is a danger of us creating God in our image. We look at ourselves and like, oh, God must be just like us. Mm. He's one of the fellows just like God us. God must want what I want. God must want what I want. Mm. And we lose our respect for God as the ruler and the creator of the universe and the saviour of humanity and the one who whose, whose love is infinitely above anything that we can even begin to understand or comprehend, mm-hmm. and we cheapen God. Dude, totally. And I think uh, I, I just mentioned that, like, God must want what we want. I, I feel as though it is the, the, the underlying premise of like progressive christianity that god's ideals actually align with my ideals uh whereas the reality is is like we're broken and sinful and terrible and it it should be that we should try as much as possible to align our ideals with god's ideals because we need to realize that oh we are wrong like we are wrong like we are absolutely in the wrong because we are sinful people (laughs) and that's not to say that we don't know things that's not to say that we are totally stupid and unable to connect with God. And that's where the mediator comes in, as it's talking about here. That's where Jesus Christ comes in and does this work of mediation, of connecting us back to God. But like, we're in a place where we need to realize, like, wow, the things that I want, um, yeah, often don't align with God. Another aspect that I want to draw out of these couple of passages here, and I really appreciate the thoughts that you've been sharing there, Lawson, is really, hey, this, this, this is your chapter. <laughs> <laughs> this is your chapter. Verse 22 here, You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. This tells us about the church of God. Mm. And it tells us about the church that we can belong to. And uh, Lawson, take us through here. Who does the Bible list as being members of our church? Um, is this so? It says here in verse twenty-three. 
Is it? Yeah, well, verse 22. Start in verse 22 because it starts a bit of a list there. Yeah, yeah. So in verse 22, it's like, You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the countless of thousands of angels. Okay, so angels belong to... Angels belong to the church the Christian of God. church. Amen. Yes? Yes. Uh, then verse 23. And then it continues on. Uh, it says, You come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, whose names are written in heaven. And you've come to God... Himself, So he belongs to the Christian church as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, you have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. What does your yeah, Bible say? My Bible that? says to the judge of all, my Bible says that very differently. Yeah. To the judge of all and the spirits of just men made perfect. Wow. Okay. Well, in my Bible, it kind of it puts fab- him in heaven. It fabricates, fabricates this whole thing of being in heaven. But uh, <laughs> where did that come uh, I from? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with the KJV one right here. It's got a lot less interpretation in it. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM and. We are trying to finish out as much of the book of Hebrews as we can in a short space of time. So we're kind of rushing our way through it. Yes. And Lawson just came up with this super dodgy translation. But anyway, no, Lawson didn't come I up with come it. I come up with NLT it. I'm like the writer it. of the NLT. Like, yeah. I, I don't even use this Bible. This is the one that lives in the studio. But, okay, right. for, let's, let's do our clip of the quiz. This is 500 points. We'll get back to that. Uh, 500 points. What did Rizpah do on the Rock of Gibeah? For several months. Now, this is very obscure 500-point question. What did Rispa do on the Rock of Gibeah for several months? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You can win our 500-point prize for today, which is the book The Cross and the Millennium by Peter Colhoun, uh, talking all about how the, the Millennium, which is a period of years that takes place in the after the very end of time, um, how we understand it and how Jesus and the cross fits right into it, why it's so important. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. And that question was, what did Rispa do on the Rock of Gibeah for several months? All right. Give us a call if you know the answer. Mm-hmm. That one is very obscure. So mm-hmm. you might need to do some digging in your Bibles. All right. Let's look at these passages here. Verse 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. Your translation says they're in heaven. Mine says they're not. Which one is true? Well, let's look at the context. Yeah. yeah okay. And, and, and let's note that the NLT is a um, a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. So a paraphrase is not actually a Bible. It's actually a devotional book mm-hmm. because it's an interpretation of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, if you go to some of your more word-for-word translations, now there's no such thing as a word-for-word translation. We understand that. Anyone who speaks a second language knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to your KJV, which is, or new KJV, which are very close mm-hmm. to being a word for word translation, you're going to find a very different uh, rendering of these passages. And you'll also find in the KJV that the added in words are placed in italics, which makes it easier to follow as well as to what's been added and what hasn't been added. But in verse 24, in the KJV, it says, and to Jesus, sorry, in verse 22, but you are come to Mount Zion. And the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That context is very clearly heaven. Mm. So verse 22 is talking about the new Jerusalem, the angels, the city of God, that is heaven. Mount Zion, which is in heaven. Verse 23, it says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, 
that is very, very clearly this earth. Mm. And so Paul is drawing this contrast between the church in heaven and the church on earth and the links between the two. So now in verse 23, the context is moved from heaven to earth, and it says, and to God the judge of all. Well, God is not judging people that are in heaven. God is judging people that are on earth. So the context Mm -hmm. stays here on this earth. And then in my translation, and it says, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, we've just been reading about that in Hebrews chapter 11. Mm -hmm. They are all dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were all like justified. They all, they all died in faith. On they're all justified in earth. And they are all a part of God's church. <laughs> yeah, and right. it all happened on earth. So the the whole context of verse twenty three is on earth, and yours jumps completely out of context and says they're in heaven. Yeah, it says you've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven. Uh, no. I'm like that's, that's the Bible doesn't the Bible say says. that. The original doesn't say that. That's been <laughs> completely fabricated and added in there by the translators. And this is one of the reasons why I say that a Bible like an NLT is not actually a Bible. It's a it's a good devotional book. And like any devotional, like any good devotional book, you bring it back to the test of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And 99 percent of the time, while we've been reading from it here in the studio, uh, we've had no problem to disagree with it. Mm-hmm. But from time to time. We have problems, and this is probably the biggest disagreement I've ever come across with mm-hmm. because it's the biggest fabrication that I've ever come across and mm-hmm. the biggest addition I've ever come across with. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go into verse 24, and in my translation it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, well, where did Jesus do that? Here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And the blood of sprinkling, where would that take place? Here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And that speaks better things than that of Abel. Once again, the context is still here on this earth. Mm-hmm. All right, if you have any questions about that, our number is 0491064669. Do not hesitate to either have your say or give us a call or ask your question. We need some questions for questions today. I've got a very interesting one that's come through for today, really about this very subject. Mm. You know, what does it mean about the spirits of just men made perfect? Mm. What, what is the spirit? Okay, uh, we need to move on, else we're never going to finish Chapter 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for it, Lawson. So verse 25? Just finish it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another point, uh, another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all the creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please uh, and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Yeah, wow, that's mm. pretty full on when mm. it comes to the whole theme of respect. Mm. And this is what Paul is reminding us because there is so much that Paul says about you know God being our elder brother, God being our friend, God being our, our dad, our Abba Father. Mm. But the thing I love about Paul is the balance that he brings to these concepts. And he's like, look, you know, God is in heaven. God is ruling from Mount Zion. God is ruling from the New Jerusalem. God is in God is in charge of an innumerable company of angels, more angels than you can even begin to imagine. Mm. God is 
the one that when he spoke on Mount Sinai, the whole mountain shook. Mm. God is the one who, you know, when Moses, who was one of his closest friends, met with him and saw his back, mm. trembled in fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a very special kind of relationship where you actually respond to your best friend that way. Mm. And this wasn't because Moses was afraid of God, because Moses was somebody who was prepared to reason with God, to argue with God even. Mm. But at the same time, he had tremendous respect for God. Mm. For him, God was not just another one of the fellows. Mm -hmm. God was not created in his image. He was created in God's image. Very big mm. difference. You want to say something there, Lawson? Oh, I was just, I was just reading. Like, I, I was thinking about like the, you know, the earthly, you know, kind of God's kingdom, which, which was Israel, which He set up, you know, yes. at kind of Mount Sinai, yes, versus the kingdom of heaven, um, and this, this kind of shakening that will happen. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, uh, so that only unshakable things remain. Um, and it's like, oh, what's the unshakable thing that remains? And it's like the kingdom of God, like the kingdom of heaven. Like, um, because the point is the kingdom that God set up on earth, um, you know, though, like, like it was very much shaken, uh, but God, you know, kept his promise the whole way through. But now, you know, now faith has come. Now Jesus has come. Like, um, and we see this, 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 uh, transfer take place of it's no longer an earthly kingdom but the kingdom of heaven on earth and even you know whether it be jews or gentiles or whoever it may be spreading the message of god uh that taking place the the point that it's making here is like un, unlike a uh unlike a an earthly kingdom the kingdom of heaven cannot be shaken like it will remain it yes. will continue to grow yes um and all we have to look forward to is yes. god's coming absolutely amen mm. praise god you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Before we have question of the day, which is a doozy today, we have a f- answers for our questions. All right, for 100 points, the answer was Zacchaeus. For 200 points, the answer was D or Rabbit. The 300 point uh, question, the answer was he struck them blind. For 400 points, the answer was Judah. And for 500 points, what did Rispa do on the Rock of Gibeah for several months? Protect her children's corpses from wild animals, which is pretty intense. Very intense. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, question of the day. I was trying to find a way to simplify this, but I'm just going to read this whole question because it's quite long. It says, uh, this is from Darren, and Darren says, In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, uh, man is described as a living soul, i.e. body and spirit. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it mentions the dividing of soul and spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, says your spirit, uh, your whole spirit and soul and body. And second, uh, and sorry, uh, the second two uh, verses seem to show a redundancy in the way that the terms soul, body, and spirit are used. Why are these verses worded this way? Yeah, okay, so there's a number of different ways the word soul and spirit are used in the Bible. And, well, it's more so the word the, the way the word spirit is used than the way the word soul is used. And so we're going to look at it. Um, and the first one is the spirit is the life force. So this comes from the Hebrew word ruach or the Greek pneuma, which means wind or breath. 
the emphasis is on the dynamic nature. So this is wind or breath that is moving, that has power, that does things. So when you apply it to humans, uh, it describes individuals who function as a dynamic life force in bodily form. In other words, a living being. Um, so this is the breath of life that God breathed into Adam. That's Genesis 2.7. Uh, it is God who, who gave it to us. You find that Isaiah 42.5. It is he who takes it from us. You find that in Ecclesiastes 12.7, Psalms 104, verse 29, Acts 5, 7.59, uh, etc. Sometimes the quality of life is diminished by lack of food or fear. Nowhere in the scripture is the spirit designed at, defined as a self-conscious entity that pre-existed the body or that continues after death. And that's the key thought right here. You don't find that thought anywhere in the Bible. There's a lot of these things are assumed because of you know what's sort of gone around for a very, very long time. Okay, so there's the first aspect of the spirit that you find in the Bible and the, probably the primary definition. Then you have the spirit as uh, in, in the Bible being used to describe the inner being. Um, it designates human beings as creatures with the ability to think, uh, have a will, uh, experience strong emotions. It refers to the mental forces that make us humans and distinguishes us from animals. It's the center of our rational analysis. So Psalm 77, 6, our understanding, Job 32, 8, our self-awareness, 1 Corinthians 2, 11, um, and the seed of the will and the capacity for self-rule. So the spirit is synonymous in the Bible with the heart, which is specifically used in the Bible to de designate the rational and volitional aspects of human nature. But it also describes us as emotional beings who experience anger. Judges 8.3, rage, Ezekiel 3 verse 14. Grief or bitterness of spirit, uh, Genesis 26, verse 35. Anguish or shortness of spirit, uh, Exodus 6, verse 9. Depression, etc. The spirit, the term spirit identifies us pretty much as complex creatures whose inner being is characterized by a dynamic interaction with reason and emotion. The third aspect right here and there are four of these, is that the Spirit is employed to designate the disposition of the individual, uh, what defines and characterizes him or her as an individual, what we call character. Uh, we can read that patience, or literally a long spirit, is better than pride, which is a high spirit or a haughty spirit. Feelings of jealousy or the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the world or a gentle spirit, these are all character traits. They express the disposition of a person, what a person has become. Because we, uh, ha because we have spirit, not have a spirit, but have spirit, we are able to direct our lives to be architects of it, to develop our character. Well, we're kind of timed out there on that last little bit, so I'm just going to finish out this section on the spirit. Uh, the fourth aspect of the spirit is that, you know, because we're a dynamic, a rational and emotional being, we're able to communicate with God and he is able to communicate with us. Paul prays that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit is an example of that, Philippians uh, 4.23, 2 Timothy 4.22, etc. So this is a dimension of our nature that is sensitive and responsive to God. 
where God can excite our center of action, the will to accomplish a particular purpose, like Jeremiah 51.11, the spirit of those who are united by faith to Jesus Christ becomes alive in Romans 8, chapter 10. Uh, Okay, so the reference here is not to a self-conscious entity dwelling in the body, and this is the key thought, but to the totality of the person. And with every aspect of the spirit we have in the Bible, it is always a reference to the totality of the person as a psycho-religious, physical individual with whom God can interact and who can answer back to God in love and faith from his or her very inner being. Okay, so the biblical view of the human spirit is completely incompatible with the dualistic definitions based on you know Greek philosophy and so forth, where the spirit is separate from the body, uh, etc. The Bible, all of the biblical definitions, the spirit is integral and inseparable from our being, from our body, from every different other aspect to us, which is why there's over 1,700 references in the Bible to uh, the spirit, soul, etc. There's not a single one that says that the spirit or the soul is immortal. You will not find that anywhere, that verse anywhere in Scripture. All right, that's the finish off to uh, our question of the day. As, as we go through this day, remember that you need to spend some time with Jesus. Remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.